So Paul writes to Timothy that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, it's, um, if I were to tell you that reading the Bible is important, uh, it wouldn't be the first time you heard that from a preacher. Um, I mean, that's, that's kind of our thing, right? Like, uh, if, if there is any one thing uh, that we hope to accomplish when we come together uh, to worship uh, and to learn and to grow, it is we want to learn how to love and trust God more. There's a second thing we want to learn. It's we want to learn how to love the Bible because it is our uh, best witness into who God truly is and how God is, uh, is shaping us and leading us into the life that he's called us to. So, um, I figure you have all heard plenty of sermons on uh, why you should read the Bible. Um, can you pass those out, Serena? So, instead of um, another sermon on why you should read the Bible, because my guess is that we all know that we should, and we have a list of reasons why we should, uh, instead, we're going to, uh, together, walk through a passage um, and do some Bible study. So hopefully this is, is beneficial to you. Uh, Serena currently uh, and Mary are passing out uh, bookmarks that have... Uh, the process we will go through this morning uh, written down on them. Uh, so why is, is studying the Bible important? We can talk a little bit about that while, uh, while the sheets are being passed out. Um, one of the things that is true uh, year after year uh, is that the single biggest factor that leads to someone growing in Christ-likeness is how much time they spend reading the Bible. It's, it's just the reality, right? Like, we, uh, we can be a part of, of small groups, and they're really, really good. We can have a vibrant prayer life, and that's really, really good. But if we want to discover who God is, and discover how, uh, how God has wired us and shaped us for life in the kingdom the best way we can grow in that um, is through the study of Scripture. We are um, together talking about what it is to be an everyday missionary. Uh, and a big part of living out the mission is being able to uh, identify it. Being able to, to speak with, with some degree of confidence and certainty in it. All right, so when we are studying the Bible together, uh, the first question when we get to uh, a text is, who? Who is writing this text, and who are they writing it to? Um, and there's a really good reason why, why this is our first question. Uh, if 
I was to get a text message that said, I'm watching my son eat his boogers. My reaction to that text message is a lot different if I'm getting it from my grandma than if I'm getting it from Cindy. Because if my grandma's saying, your dad's eating his boogers, that's hilarious. If Cindy's saying, Benny's eating his boogers, it's not as funny. It's something we're trying to, to do differently. So understanding who is writing and who they are writing to is really important for us understanding uh, what the text says. So, uh, go ahead and pull out uh, your phones if you have them on you, and Google who wrote 2 Timothy. If, uh, if you have a study Bible with you, uh, you can... Chances are, at the first page of uh, the book, there will be uh, sort of a, 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 a few paragraphs on the book of Second Timothy that has a lot of this information. Uh, so, Aiden, who, who wrote Second Timothy? Paul. Yeah, did, did, did anyone get an answer other than Paul? Okay, good, then we'll say Paul. Uh, and Paul probably did write 2 Timothy. Um, about a hundred years ago, some Greek scholars said, well, this is stylistically very different from some of others of Paul's letters. Maybe it wasn't Paul. Um, so there's been this debate over the last hundred years over whether or not Paul actually wrote 2 Timothy. Um, but my sense personally is that Paul probably did write 2 Timothy, but it's probably an older, wiser Paul writing 2 Timothy than like the Paul who wrote Romans. You know, he's just lived. He's you know, probably 15, 20, 25 years older. You know, there's going to be stylistic differences. Uh, the same way that if you looked at a paper that I wrote like during my freshman year of college and you look at something I write now, there are going to be stylistic differences. We grow, we mature, this happens. So Paul is most likely writing this letter to Timothy. And who's Timothy? Yeah, he's, he's someone who Paul is mentoring. He is a leader of the church in Ephesus. So the question, the answer to the question of who, who is writing and who is reading, Paul is most likely writing to Timothy. So the second question that we have to answer is, when and where is this writing occurring? So uh, if someone wants to Google uh, something to the effect of date and location of 2 Timothy, uh, we'll start to have some answers there as well. Paul is a prison room, that's what your Bible says? Cool. Okay. Does anyone have anything different for Paul's location or Timothy's? Or maybe a year for us? 90 to 140? Okay. I've that that's that's kind of working on the hypothesis that Paul probably didn't write it. 
and then mid-60s, okay, that's, so, so again, this is the debate that, that scholars have. You know, was it actually Paul writing in the mid-60s, or was it an associate of Paul writing, you know, 30 to 50 years later? So, um, for me, since I think it was probably actually Paul who wrote it, uh, I would place it in the mid-60s. But if you want to read the commentaries and go the other way, I could be wrong. I'm wrong about a lot of things. So if, if, if we're placing it uh, in the mid-60s, uh, we said Paul is probably in Rome uh, and Timothy is in Ephesus, right? Uh, who knows where Ephesus is? Turkey. Yeah, it's a, it's a port city on the western uh, border of Turkey. So uh, what else is happening in the world in the mid-60s? A, a huge world event happened in the year 64. Massive. Nero. The, Rome burned. Nero blamed it on the Christians. So this writing is taking place in the midst of incredible anxieties for Christians throughout the Roman Empire because Nero has blamed the Christians for the burning of Rome while he played his violin. Uh, the Jewish-Roman War begins in 66. The temple is destroyed in 70. So, are you starting to get a, a mental picture of the world that Paul is writing in and Timothy is receiving in? So the next question that we, uh, we go about trying to answer is, why? Is there a specific reason for this writing? Uh, and if we are wise, we go to the text to let the text try to answer the question first. So, uh, uh, where in, in uh, the, the letters to Timothy might we find this answer to why uh, Paul is writing this letter? What is Paul hoping to accomplish? Yeah, to encourage Timothy. Yeah, so, uh, like, especially in, like, chapters 1, 6 through 10, like, that's Paul's stated purpose there. Uh, you know, we can extend it if we keep reading, um, specifically around this idea of faithfulness. Paul wants to encourage Timothy to remain faithful in a world that is pulling him away from faith, faithfulness. Um, in uh, chapter 2, uh, we see Paul rewarning Timothy about false teachers. So, 1 Timothy is all about the, the false teachers that Timothy is dealing with. 2 Timothy, we see Paul uh, reminding him and rewarning him once again about those false teachers and encouraging him to be faithful to the gospel. Encouraging him to be faithful to the gospel that he has learned, um, not not these false teachings that have come along afterwards. So now that we have answered the question, who is writing, who is receiving, when and where are they located, and why they are writing, it is now that we are ready to answer the question, what does the text say? What does the text say? Uh, Serena read it for us. Um, you are listening along. With all of this in mind, what is uh, Paul saying to Timothy? 
stay strong in the faith. I think that is the perfect summary of what Paul is trying to encourage Timothy for. Keep the faith. Stay strong in the faith. In a world that's trying to pull you several different directions. In a time where people are lovers of themselves, lovers of money, they're boastful, they're proud, they're abusive, they're disobedient to their parents, they're ungrateful, they're unholy. I know nothing about this world. In this world, keep the faith. Remember what you have been taught by the saints. What we believe matters. And once we have answered these questions, who, when and where, why and what, we can begin to do the reflective work of saying, how does this text read into my life? We can begin to wonder what it is that God wants to teach us through a particular text. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm really bothered by uh, the way that um, most churches have done Bible study over the years. And this is the way it was in my church growing up. Um, this is the way it's been in, in most churches I've been a part of. Is we come and we sit around a table together and we'll read a passage of Scripture. And then we ask the question, what does this say to me? What does this mean to me? And the problem is, we have put the cart before the horse. We can't hardly begin to understand what God is trying to say to us through a passage before we understand what the passage actually says. So as we uh, go through this process, and you know, it didn't take us very long, did it, to kind of you know, get a, a, a general impression of what's going on uh, for Paul and Timothy and in this book. Once we have some, some understanding of what the text actually says, then we can begin saying, how does this text read into my life? What is God saying to me through this text? How how is this text uh, assuming or challenging my assumptions? For, my, for me, as I, as I read this text and I think about how it reads into my life, I'm reminded that the gospel may go out of style, but it will never cease to be true. We live in a culture that essentially tells us that religious beliefs are secondary. You know, uh, the, the sort of uh, Joseph Campbell light idea of all religions going up the same mountain, just taking different paths, has uh, really sort of become the standard belief of our culture. An exclusive gospel where Jesus says, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life, doesn't fly in 21st century America. It's, it's not a popular way to, to, to speak and to believe and to, uh, to, to teach. 
But just because the gospel isn't in style in our culture doesn't mean it's not still true. It's still true that, that Jesus came and lived and died and rose again so that we might have life and life eternal with the Father. That hasn't ceased to be true just because the culture has wholly embraced pluralism. And this challenges our assumptions. Because the world that we live in, it's, it's, it's the air that we breathe. You know, if, if you were uh, educated in a public school in the United States in the last 30 years, this sort of Joseph Campbell light uh, pluralism, it is, it is what was taught um, with regards to what it looks like to be an interfaith dialogue. So then the question becomes, what is a faithful response? Given what we know about uh, the text that we've read and, and what it reveals to us about who God is and how God has called us to live, what is a faithful response? To tell the truth, right? To tell the truth, to, to share the gospel. Uh, even in a world where evangelism is considered impolite, continue to tell the truth because knowing the truth matters. And, and we may be called upon to suffer for the gospel, but that's okay too. Because our mission is not to be liked. I mean, we shouldn't, like, go out of our way to be offensive jerks. But if, if someone chooses not to like us uh, because they don't want to hear the truth, you know, our, our mission is not to be liked. Our mission is not to, you know, just sort of keep everything placid and calm. Our mission is to make disciples. It's to share the good news. And it'll be hard. And it's been hard since the first century. Timothy found it hard. I mean, this is the whole impetus for writing the letter. Chances are, Timothy is sitting there in Ephesus, and he is stressed out, and he's discouraged, because there are all these other teachers in town who are teaching things counter to the gospel that Paul has taught him. Counter to the faith of the church. And in the midst of that, Paul says, be strong. Be courageous. Tell the truth. Continue to study the scriptures. Fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. For the Spirit does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord 
Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel. For this is true. God has saved us and has called us to a new and holy life. And if we're going to be everyday missionaries, if we're going to live in a world that is at odds with uh, the kingdom that God has established, if we are not spending time studying God's word, we're going to get discouraged quickly. Paul says, continue studying, for it will equip you for every good work. It is in studying the scriptures, it is in being open to the Holy Spirit that we find the courage and the strength to live as everyday missionaries. To go out of our way to make a difference in people's lives. To share the hope that we have. And we do have hope. This is not just some religious exercise. There are 300 people in our country every single day who die of hopelessness. We live in a culture of death and, and, and we are missionaries of life. So may we not grow weary in that mission. May we choose to spend time studying God's word. May we choose to spend time with one another encouraging each other. So that we can live into every good work that God has called us to. Let's pray. Most holy and gracious God, we thank you today that you have called us to be your children, to be your ambassadors of the kingdom. Lord, help us to find that balance between being offensive jerks and being so timid that there's no difference between our lives and the lives of those around us. Lord, give us courage to share the hope that you've given us. Lord, as we come to your table together, We ask that you would use this moment to fill us. To fill us with a passion and desire for your word. To fill us with a a lack of satisfaction for the world around us. Lord, break our hearts for the hurting in the hopelessness of our community. 
Lord, this is not some religious exercise. This is life and death. You are the source of hope and healing. And Lord, we desire that for those who are hopeless. Lord, give us the courage to be your missionaries in our world. And we'll give you the honor and the praise and glory for your worthy. Amen.